Well, good morning, everyone. If you would turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1, there's just a couple of scriptures I'd like to read before I start in on uh, what I'd like to present this morning, which I've titled it, A Few Ways to Stay on Track in the Christian Life. A few ways to stay on track in the Christian life. Actually, I think there's around ten, but they kind of run together, so it's it's kind of hard to number them. But uh, anyway, that's the uh, desire here that I have to try to just uh, help us focus on some areas of importance for our growth as Christians. But uh, we'll begin reading in in 1 Timothy, and uh, just this well-known verse in uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men, straying away from these things, have turned aside to fruitless discussion wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or matters about which they make confident assertions. So the goal of our instruction is what we're aiming at. If we're talking about uh, staying on track, well, you've got to kind of know where you're heading. Well, the goal, goal of our instruction is clear here from what Paul writes to Timothy. And then in 2 Peter, and uh, chapter 3, right at the end of the, this letter, verse 17. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on guard, lest being carried away by the error of unprincipled men, you fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Well, the first thing I'd say, if if we're going to stay on track, we have to be on track. In other words, you have to be a Christian. So this is for Christians. This is a message directed to those who have repented and believed the gospel. But the first thing I would say is don't look for quick fixes. Don't look for quick fixes. There's no uh, get rich, quick schemes in the Christian life. Uh, It's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. And by patience, I think, uh, is meant endurance, perseverance, keeping on. So we must persevere in practicing the basics of spiritual growth. And those are things like prayer and Bible study and meditation and fellowship And uh, just what uh, Paul said earlier, uh, pursuing love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. It may not seem real glamorous, but in the long haul, these are the things that make for true sanctification, true growth in the Christian life. So don't look for quick fixes. The next thing I would say is to stay away from... uh, the idea that uh, hyperactivity and emotional intensity are uh, real 
spiritual progress. Don't confuse hyperactivity and intensity, emotional intensity, with real spiritual progress. Activity and uh, excitement do not necessarily bring spiritual advancement. Uh, I like the way A.W. Tozer, the picture, picture he uses in one of his uh, articles, he says that uh, religious activities can be like a merry-go-round. You know, that you sit on the horse or whatever, and you go up and down and around and around, up and down, around and around, up and down, around and around, but you don't get anywhere. <laughs> well, sad to say, religious things or religious activities can be like that too, up and down, around and around. But you're not really progressing any in the likeness of Christ, becoming more Christ-like. So uh, you need to be careful about thinking that activity and emotion are real criteria for spiritual advancement. Now, it is true that God may work uh, dramatic change in a short period of time, and this sometimes can be very emotional. But God's sovereign in that. Uh, Generally, we can't control the circumstances which bring about such drastic change. If someone is trying to manipulate emotions apart from God's truth stirring us, we can be pretty sure that God's not in it. Uh, I really think it's truth applied in the daily grind that brings real advancement in the Christian life. Truth applied in the daily grind, just throughout the day. So, uh, don't confuse hyperactivity and emotional intensity with progress. The next thing I would say would be that we should stay away from theological novelty. Stay away from theological novelty. Uh, we need to beware of the flashy, the trendy, the strange versions of Christianity that uh, are prevalent uh, so often. Don't waste time on every new fad in the Christian religion. Rather, we're to contend earnestly for the faith once delivered to the saints. But, of course, that presupposes that we know what that faith once delivered encompasses. So that leads to the next point. Seek to have a biblical balance of truth. Seek to have a biblical balance of truth. We should try to integrate the whole counsel of God into our thinking. To major on minors and overemphasize things that the Bible does not center itself on is one way of getting off track. Um, One person said this, you have to think about it a little bit, but heresy is often selected truth. Heresy is often selected truth. That is one truth isolated from other truths and pushed to an extreme. often is is the source of heresy. Just because we can cite a verse supporting our position does not mean that we are giving a balanced view of biblical truth. And that's that's important. A lot of times we think if we have a proof text for something, that settles the issue. It may it may not settle the issue if you've taken a truth out of its context and isolated it from other truths. I like again Tozer has an article 
entitled Truth Has Two Wings. He says, just think about a bird trying to fly with one wing. It's not going to work. It's going to be flopping around on the ground. And that's what will happen if we isolate one truth from other, the rest of the truths of the Bible. Be flopping around on the ground, you won't get anywhere. Truth has two wings. In that article, he says, Sometimes our dogmatic insistence upon it is written and our refusal to hear again it is written makes heretics of us. Again it is written, and again it is written. You've got to look at the whole counsel of God to have a balanced view of truth. Uh, balance is taking into account the whole counsel of God, which leads logically to the next way of staying on track in the Christian life. If you're going to have a balanced view of truth, you need to know the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God, which means we should have a good grasp of basic doctrine. For that, we need to study and think and discuss and meditate on the Scriptures and ask the Holy Spirit to show us truth from His Word. It is truth that sets us free. Truth is what will set us free. Uh, Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You know, we all start out the Christian life as simple, not knowing very much. Well, we need to learn the word of God. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So, We need to know God's word if we're going to have a balanced uh, biblical view and uh, believe believe what we're supposed to believe from the scriptures. Uh, The next point would be it's also helpful to know something of church history because there we see how other Christians have interpreted the word of God and applied it in their lives. And we also see how it's been misapplied in the problems that can arise from that. Most heresies have been around for a long time. They just get repackaged for a new generation. It's amazing how many times I thought I've read something uh, or heard about something and I thought, well, that's new. And I found out, no, that's not really that new. They, they did that back in the third century, you know, things like that. So they just get repackaged, a lot of the heresies. Most of the mistakes that people are making today have been made numerous times in the past. But if we are unaware of church history, we might think that nobody's ever thought about such a thing before or dealt with it before. One area where a knowledge of church history can be helpful is that it keeps us from falling into some present-day secret formula for the Christian life, some new spirituality or a way of experiencing some deeper spirituality that Christians in other ages have, haven't known. It's just not the case. These things, most of this, most of what you're going to think and what most of what you're going to read has been thought and written many times. Uh, you know, it was the Gnostics back in the second century that said they had a hidden knowledge that only a select group of uh, people could tap into. And Paul was actually warning Timothy back in the first century of the beginnings of Gnosticism. At the end of his letter of 1 Timothy, he says, O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. 
entrusted to you. Hold on to that truth, that faith that's uh, been given to you. Avoid worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge. That's what Gnosticism is, knowledge, secret knowledge, which some have professed and gone astray from the truth. And then he tells, he tells uh, the early uh, readers of his letters, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ and pointed to in his word. So beware of teachers that say, you know, if you're really going to walk with God, if you're really going to know the deep things of God, you need to buy my book or, or order my CD or get this little envelope that only you can open if you pay, pay me $20. And, you know, you'll get the inside scoop on the Christian life. The real secret of the Christian life is that there's no secret to the Christian life. God's told us what he wants us to do and how he wants us to live. No deep, hidden, or higher knowledge that only the ascended masters of Christianity uh, can give us or some present-day apostle can pass on to you. What God wants you to know, he's put in his word. So, kind of flowing from that one would be this one. Don't put anyone on a spiritual pedestal where they cannot be challenged by God's word or by other godly people. No one has the final word in your life but God, no matter what position they're in or what gifts they have. No pope, no bishop, no elder, no pastor has final authority in your life. The word of God has final authority in your life. God has final authority. Uh, Leaders are fallible and should not be allowed to lord it over the flock. But the church should listen to and be grateful for godly leadership. And we're told to obey your leaders and submit to them. See, truth has two wings. Again, that's one wing. Obey your leaders and submit to them. The other is leaders are fallible. That's the other wing. Uh, And we're told that uh, uh, elders, pastors should not lord it over the flock. Uh, Those who walk with wise men will be wise. We want to be around wise people. We want to listen to the person. Well, again, this is a phrase from Tozer. He says we should listen to the people or the person that listens to God. Listen to the person that listens to God. Uh, those, uh, those who would say they're unapproachable, those who would say they can't be challenged, are the exact kind of person you should not listen to. Uh, no one should be put on an unapproachable spiritual position in an unapproachable spiritual position. Church history is lit- littered with sad examples of infallible, unaccountable leaders who were wrong and misled people, and there were tragic consequences. It's also good to remember that if something goes against 2,000 years of church history, it should be suspect. You can't just look at the last few years and say, well, that's, that's uh, the answer to the problem, or that's what I should understand as being God's truth. In fact, even the last 150 years, there's been a lot that's been taught that it was not normal to the prior 1,800 years of what God was teaching his people. I'm talking about things like the altar call, secret rapture of the church, emphasis on personal peace and affluence, uh, the idea that Christ can be your Savior without being your Lord. That stuff's come in recently, although, again, the the, uh, things that were the basis for that have been taught for centuries, taught wrong for centuries. 
Our understanding of the Christian life should be informed by the consensus of what faithful, faithful believers have held throughout church history. Along that same line, I think it's good to include uh, the teachings that have been incorporated in the great hymns of the faith that have stood the test of time. Those psalms and hymns and spiritual songs uh, that can stir our hearts and help us to press on with God. It's just good to meditate on those things, not just uh, sing them here on Sunday morning, but some of those songs are well worth meditating on. Um, So the next thing I would say is that we should keep on learning. A disciple is a learner. We must stay teachable and realize that there's much yet to know and that we all have areas that we're blind in. We have blind spots. Our, your blind spot may not be the same as mine, but we all have some. Uh, so we need to keep on learning and keep uh, open to what God might show us. At the very least, we should realize we don't know everything, and so therefore we need to be lifelong learners. We need to be careful right along the same line about uh, making something an absolute if we're not sure that it's uh, spirit really is biblical absolute. An example of that would be what happened with the Catholic Church and even some Protestants during the time of Galileo. You know the example there, probably many professing believers thought at that time that uh, the earth was the center of the universe. Uh, and they made an absolute, they said that's what the Bible teaches. So. Uh, when Galileo challenged that, they said, no, you're wrong because the Bible says the earth is the center of the universe, not the sun. Galileo had the sun-centered view of the solar system. Well, what happened? Galileo was right, and the people that took that earth-centered position saying this is what the Bible teaches were wrong. And what happens from that? Well, it makes Christianity look bad uh, because people will say, well, this is what the Bible... This is what I was told the Bible teaches, and we see that that's wrong. No, the Bible wasn't wrong. The people that were teaching that as an absolute uh, were wrong. Uh, so their supposed absolute was, was proved wrong. What, all I'm saying here is that we need to be careful about what we say is an absolute. Some things are absolute in the scriptures, and they're clearly absolute, but we need to be careful about that. Another sad example involves two rival Protestant groups during the time of the English Civil War. Oliver Cromwell was an English Puritan leader, and right before a battle, it was called the Battle of Dunbar, this would be in 1650, he sent a letter to the General Assembly of the Kirk of Scotland. Now, the Kirk of Scotland is the Church of Scotland uh, in an attempt to avoid bloodshed. you got to realize uh, the Kirk of Scotland was made up of Protestant believers, and Cromwell was a Protestant believer, uh, but they had some difference in doctrines. Uh, so Cromwell did consider these Scottish Presbyterians as brethren with some wrong, wrong doctrinal views, so he desired a peaceful resolution to their differences. In a famous sentence from a letter he sent, uh, he wrote to them, he said, I beseech you in the bowels of Christ, think it possible you may be mistaken. Think it possible you may be mistaken. That word bowels 
is a King James English way of saying, in the affection, in the love of Christ, I'm beseeching you, consider you might be wrong in what you're thinking. And what he was saying is, perhaps this battle doesn't need to take place. Uh, But Cromwell's plea went unheeded, and thousands of lives were lost as two armies of professing Christians fought one another. So the point I'm trying to make is that we need to realize that sometimes we may be wrong, and we need to give a hearing to information that is different from what we think, even if it might upset some previously held concepts or tradition. The fact is, only God's never wrong. And it's good to remember that uh, just as we approach this Christian life. If something is clearly a biblical absolutely, absolute, we need to hold to it without wavering. But in many areas, we need to be very careful about thinking we have the final answer, the final word. As we said before, we are to be disciples, which means we are learners, constant, continual learners. And we need to be willing to let other Christians into our lives. That's the next thing I would say. If we're going to stay on track, we need to be willing to let other Christians into our lives said earlier, you know, we all have blind spots. We may have different blind spots, but we have them. And a lot of times another, another believer can help us with that because he sees, sees our blind spot that we don't see. If we saw it, it wouldn't be a blind spot. So we need to be real about our struggles and our needs with one another, willing to listen to biblical counsel from others. This means we need to be humble and vulnerable and accountable. To say it another another way, there's no freelance Christians. No freelance Christians. God sets the solitary in families, and he does that for a purpose, because we need one another. Uh, The church is pictured as a body that functions properly when each member of the body does its part. So, you know, we need to be willing to let other Christians into our lives. The church is also pictured as a family which interacts in love. It's a sign of decline when we isolate ourselves from the family, from other brothers and sisters. We should desire to learn from another and be accountable to one another. We should desire to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. The New Testament presents the church as maturing together in unity. We're just not off on our own. And you will not grow the way you should. You will not stay on track if you get isolated. The the New Testament presents the church as maturing together in unity, not functioning as individuals in isolation. Of course, there's time for private prayer, personal Bible study, and contemplation. Those things are important. But there is much we will not learn about the Christian life apart from the community of the saints. So we should distance. We should not distance or detach ourselves from the local church that God's made us part of. Let me just quote one simple verse on this. This is from the end of Third John. The friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. I think that's an incredible verse. That's what the church is all about. The friends. The friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. Well. Lastly, I would say the way to stay on track in the Christian life is to continue to trust Christ, come what may. 
We started this walk of faith by realizing that the object of our life is not ourselves, but Christ. We entrusted our lives to him. And we must continue to do that to the end. We're talking about staying on track. Well, this is, this is vital. Just continuing to trust our lives to Christ throughout our time here on earth. Through failures and setbacks, keep trusting in Christ. Through good times and bad times, keep trusting in Christ. Through doubts and discouragements, keep trusting in Christ. Through trials and tribulations, keep trusting in Christ. Through sorrows and even our own personal failings and sin, keep trusting in Christ. We're told that he who endures to the end shall be saved, but right along with that, we're told that Christ is able to save to the utmost those who draw near to God through him. So keep trusting in Christ. He's faithful and trustworthy. Keep trusting in Christ. He'll keep you on track. Talking about staying on track in the Christian life. Just keep trusting in Christ. Well, let's pray. Father, we desire to follow on to know you and to keep trusting you. And we pray, Father, that you'd help us each day just to put our lives in your hands, to have our minds renewed and to be able to to just uh, say Christ is all and all. And uh, we want to learn from his word, from your word. We want to learn as your Holy Spirit teaches us the way of sanctification. Pray for each Christian here that you'd make us to be a glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.